This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. This is the Golden Eagles podcast, hosted by Manly media manager Wayne Cousins, along with Sea Eagles Premiership winner and chairman of the Golden Eagles Association, Mark Bryant. Each week, Cuzzo and Boxy will be joined by a different Sea Eagles legend to relive some great moments from our proud history and to find out what each of the guys are up to now. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the mighty Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Now over to Cuzzo and Boxy with this week's special guest. And today we're joined by one of the real cult heroes of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles, a man that fans just love and they still adore, the one and only David Wolfman Williams. Wolf, man, welcome. Thanks, boys. There's only one Wolfman, that is for sure. And we have to start off by saying for those people who obviously, because it's a podcast, he's still got the great beard. He does. It's probably just out of yours, Boxy. It is. It's a little bit more powerful than mine. Um, I've been growing this ISO bit of a beard thing and I'm getting some good feedback, so I'm just going to keep it going. It is highly arousing for those <laughs> listening at home. Well, uh, David or Wolfie is your uh, much preferred. What do you prefer? Wolfie? Wolfman? What's... Whatever, as long as it's not David. <laughs> okay, done. <laughs> Wolfie. Okay. All right, Wolfman, mate, uh, let's go back to the beginning now. Obviously, your, your career with the Seagulls, 103 games, 66 tries between 2008 and 15. But your junior rugby league was in the – your Parramatta junior playing for the Hills District Bulls. Tell us about the Hills District Bulls. Um, I started there when I was 10 years old because we used to play in a Catholic comp that folded uh, previous to that. And it was a pretty good experience considering my first three years we didn't lose a game. So that was a bit of fun. Not bad odds, though, Not David. Not bad, yeah. Started backing myself from then. Um, <laughs> uh, and, yeah, out at Crestwood Oval, it was uh, notoriously known as the bull pit. Not so much – well, we were the bulls, but uh, notor- because mainly by the time autumn hit, uh, it was a dust pit. <laughs> so they put summer grass on. It was pristine during the season uh, summer training. And then as soon as the season hit, you have a blade of grass about in the corner post of each each corner. Wow. So the old vaso on the knees beforehand, Oof. make sure that you still had bark on them before the time you finished. Before you came the Wolfman, uh, what position did you play back in the Hills District Bulls? I played up until I played first grade, every single position. And that's inclusive of the under-17s at Para. So you would have had a few... I think it was one game I played five positions. So you would have had a few tips for Boxy during his career? Oh, mate. Just... I run exactly like Boxy, but from the <laughs> a lot quicker as well. Zero <laughs> and we'll leave the different positions things for another podcast. Yeah, moving straight exactly. along. All right. Now, obviously, uh, when you joined the Seagulls, you in 2008, uh, the cop following began and you got your nickname Wolfman for your shaggy locks and that great beard. Who gave you the great. nickname Wolfman? Was it something that you created? How did all this come about? Obviously, the beard's makes it part of it, but how did it all come about? So it's my understanding, and I didn't hear this, but it came to me through other sources that Matty Johns was the actual one who donned it. Now, you can confirm or deny, but someone on the radio on my first game in Brisbane said, how does a teenager grow a beard like that? He must be some kind of teen wolf. And then they found out I was 21. It's not a teen wolf. He's a wolf man. So that's the story that I heard and 
screw it. I'm sticking with it. That sounds pretty good to me. I don't care if it's crap. Um, that's a really good one. I'm pretty happy with that. That's a good one. <laughs> Tell you what, you could have had a lot worse nicknames, couldn't you? Than Wolfman. Like Boxy? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Boxhead? That's evolved over Orny. years. It was, it was, I was born ahead and grew into it. You know, <laughs> I finally I finally fit it out now. Mate, that first season, the Seagulls, 2008, uh, 14 tries in 20 games. Obviously, you must have just been wrapped in your first year of the Seagulls. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I was still adapting to playing wing, considering I hadn't played it. Uh, I don't think since I was like 12 or something like that. So I was usually a fullback, so it was getting used to that and making sure I didn't drop any balls. What about some of the... uh, We're talking about some of the great teammates here that you played with in 2008. We'll leave the best to last. Uh, Matt Orford, tell us about the Ox. Oxy? Um, The Shetland. The little Shetland Shetland pony. pony. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Such um, a great nickname, the Ox, and everyone calls him the Shetland Pony. That's fantastic. There's a few other names for him as well. (laughs) (laughs) We won't won't put those ones on here, though. But Google a Shetland Pony and put a picture of little Oxy up there next to it. Same height, structure, build. Uh, Oxy was fantastic. Um, I mean, in in those first two years that he was there, basically, um, I mean, everything was just still all all up in the air with how autifying it was for me just to be out there playing first grade considering I would, had retired mentally a year earlier. So uh, being around the boys and Ox just steered the ship of a class act, really. Strong, absolutely. Just uh, such uh, small in stature, but big blokes would run at him and the Ox would just, he'd just come out of nowhere and whack him, you know? And, and it was, yeah, what he could do was unbelievable. He was a great little general. We didn't get to play too much with him because he was on the left. What about the hitman, Steve Maddai? Again, didn't you could hear his hits from the right-hand side of the field. I know that much. Um, absolute champion. You'll never meet a better bloke. Of all the shit that people talk about him, absolutely zero of it is true. Yep. Like, he's out there. He's a hitman. He put the shots on, done his job, off the field, nicest bloke ever. You can't say a bad word about no, it, fella. Aggressive, especially as a teammate as well. Like, you know, you think about Wolfie coming back and, and, and take, you know, bringing the kick return back and front rowers, you know, these two were front rowers' best mates because they'd take as many carries as we needed till we actually caught our breath. And Stevie was, was you know, just That took a whole half of football usually, didn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. That's not, the, the, you must yeah. have a lot of carries. No joking. <laughs> we did all the tackling though, so whatever. Uh, the Stuart brothers, Snake, the Prince of Brookville. Oh. What else can be? What else can be said? Summed up. Just when you look back on his career and the tries he scored and, and being part of that side with him, like it's just it's just incredible, isn't it? He was great for me coming into the start because I think um, I was actually playing fullback when I rocked up. I played fullback for the last three years at Para. Was playing uh, reserve grade fullback as well, so I really stood back and just watched him in his positional play and stuff like that, and that was a massive help. And I think. Um, in those first that first preseason when I was doing that, um, it got me in the right stead to see how he played, uh, not from a fullback perspective, but also then how I would play with him as a winger when I went in there, because knowing where his positional was, his positional play was, I modelled as much as I could off it in those first eight weeks, seven weeks at um, in reserve grade. So, so that was definitely a massive help uh, leading into my first grade career. And then obviously the great gifty. <laughs> the gift. I tell That's you, a great nickname, isn't it? The gift. Oh, it's the yeah. best nickname. We're best. allowed to say how he got it. <laughs> <laughs> you can dive on that one. If uh, you want. No, no, no. no. I'll, I'll leave that one to the mystery files. But what was it about Glenn Stewart that 
as a front row that you were mine. Like obviously oh. just a very skillful back Gifty, rower. for me, um, is probably one of the best all-round footballers that I ever um, played with. Or saw play like he didn't look like it, <laughs> but he could, he could, uh, yeah, no, he was, he loved, loves a beer, the gift. Um, but when it came to footy, he could, he could run, he could pass, he could tackle, he could kick, you know, those combinations like 2008, you know, with, with Jamie Lyon, um, you know, going forward to 2011 when he got the Quav Churchill medal, like he could just do it all. Um, and seemed to do it easily as well, you know? So, um, for, as a front rower, when you've got a, a uh, edge defender like Gifty, and you're tired. Seems a, a common <laughs> occurrence. Seems like a current occurrence here, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Front row is being tired, but then Gifty would be talking to you back into the line, and all you'd have to do is say, "Gifty, I've got him," and he'd take care of the rest. You know, he'd talk you through it. Um, you know, for for me, and and I know for a lot of the guys, that was um, that was unbelievable. So he was, yeah, he was. Those two um, are a freakish pair of uh, of players. Great okay. off-field talents as well, by the way. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Next person, Hall of Famer, <laughs> Hall of Famer Steve Steve uh, Beaver Menzies. So we go from everyone knows what Beaver's done in his career and obviously what a champion person is, and then we go to you, Boxy. Uh, tell us about Boxy. So we go from Hall of Fame to Kenthouse to Shithouse. Is that? Like, is that <laughs> well, I was that trying the, to be nice, but uh, <laughs> I've got Matty Orford, Matt Ives, Stuart Brothers, Beaver, and now you, Boxy. Uh, Wolfie, tell us about. I find Boxy. that uh, Boxhead has done his greatest work since retiring. <laughs> I mean, I've. I've experienced a little, a few glute taps in my life, and I tell you what, he both receives and gives the best glute taps I have felt in a while. And I tell you what, even in isolation, they are rock solid. <laughs> For everyone knowing, uh, uh, Wolfie came in first thing he did was smack me on the ass, um, and um, then has proceeded. It's to endearing. Comment. Thank you. It I is know, endearing. It is. Yeah. it is. It is. Just shows you the love you still have, uh, mate. Obviously, the 40 nil grand final. No one can go into a grand final predicting you're going to win 40 nil. Unbelievable. You score a try. Tell us about those wild celebrations. And Boxy's told about the celebrations at the Leafs Club. But what did that mean for you in, in your career at that early stage? Um, I mean, it was pretty good. Pretty good start. <laughs> pretty good start in your first year. Not bad. Um, I, or one of the main things I remember, and um, he was outstanding for my game and looking back, I wish I had him there in my corner the whole time was Noel Cleal gave me one job to do every game. He'd come shake my hand and just go get an early touch. And it's all I could remember <clears throat> playing for the game. Um, and then I had one job just to get it, uh, my edge. So it was just, it wasn't just a ride for everyone else, but I just remember like catching bombs off GI, which I don't think I did after that. And just like just in the hands and then run straight at my target. And that was it. And and then I was filthy for the whole second half because Robbo scored three. And I was like, if I don't get one, <laughs> I'm dead set burning my jersey uh, and giving away and trying for the front row. Because <laughs> if Boxy can do it, anyone can. <laughs> anyone can. Yeah. No, that was fantastic. And I mean, the celebrations were, I mean, endless, really. Mm. It's just a shame we had to pull it up because we had to do kangaroo training. Yeah, well, I mean, up. I mean, unlucky for you, but uh, some of us kept it on cracking, and we, yeah, we flew the flag well. Don't worry. Well, I was going to sure say, did. leading into that, the 2008 Rugby League World Cup, you make your test debut against PNG at Dairy Farmers, and you score a hat trick. Mm, Should have been a bad four. Should have been four. Should have been four. Yeah, I dropped what it happened over to the, the fourth? Dropped it over the line. Oh. It was the first one actually. <laughs> it was a bomb though. And I am a front rower on the wing. So. <laughs> Hands like houses. Uh, <laughs> no, that leads like you houses. into the World Cup final against New Zealand at Suncorp. Mm. Unfortunately, we go down. Unfortunately, I don't remember much of it. I uh, got knocked out. Probably a blessing. Face planted from the beast. 
<laughs> Straight to the temple. Good okay, fun. so uh, 2009 uh, resumes and we head to England for the lead uh, Rhinos, the World Club Challenge. Play on the wing and uh, 28 to 20 win. Tell us about the experience playing over there or the celebration. Again, oh, don't remember much. <laughs> we're coming to watch you. are bringing the wrong guy in for like going to trip down memory lane. <laughs> Too many knocks in the head. Too many knocks to the yeah, head. Um, I mean, that was fun. It was a different experience, different crowd, and that kind of stuff. I think I remember more from the second game, um, the one we did in twelve, um, because again, just turmoil. The the last tackle of the game, it was. I think they scored, and there was nothing doing. We were ahead by twenty or something like that, and I decided to pop my shoulder on. Um, who was that big center playing back in the day? Keith Senior. Senior, yeah. Popped it on, popped it trying to tackle that big fella. So that turned into, you know, a great win and all that. And the celebrations over there, well, yeah. <laughs> well, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he taped it up. He went home and iced up and that was it. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly but it, it's different over there because the crowds in England, you know, completely different. So I remember that first one, 2009, Beaver and I, we um, went and watched. We sat in the crowd and um, – yeah, I didn't think they were ever going to lose it, but the crowd over there is just unbelievable. Mm. Those English crowd, crowds, they just get stuck into every little bit of the game. And if you, you know, one of our players does something wrong, like when um, Chock hit uh, Rob Burrow, I thought it was a great right. hit and he got penalised. The crowd went up anyway. And then they turned on Beaver and I because then they realised that we were, you know, going for Manly and who we were. And so, yeah, it was interesting. But it's, um, yeah, those um, those matches over there getting to travel is a pretty, pretty special thing. I don't know how many were there, but it, that set felt like 60,000. And it definitely wouldn't have been, it would have been, it felt small. It looked smaller than Brookie. Yeah, well, Elland Road and then Headingley, I, th- I think Headingley might be only like 11 or 12. Mm. They've just re- redeveloped it now, but um, yeah, it's it, they're, they're small, but you feel like they sing and they chant and if they get a song, um, you know, about you, then yeah. that's all you hear, all game. <laughs> State of Origin, 2009. Make your debut. Tell us about that. Mm. Um, I remember pissing off Jared Hayne because I had a pink beard in his uh, photo. <laughs> so he wasn't too happy about that. I said I could Photoshop it for out for him later. But um, yeah, that was good fun. So that was um, that was leading after the pink beard from the Women in League round of 2009. And again, fantastic experience. Um, Bellyache was fantastic for me, especially after that first game. Um, we came away, came away with a loss. I, dropped, I decided stupidly to run into Willie Tonga, not once but twice. Um, coughed up the ball both times and he pulled me aside afterwards and just said, listen, you will be playing the next game no matter what, um, which was fantastic for me to hear as a vote of confidence. And, um, and yeah, just accredited, this, just accredited certain aspects of my game that they outweighed the mistakes. So that was probably the one thing I took away from that more than anything. Apart, apart from the party after <laughs> Common theme here. Well, yeah. Common theme. Oh, mate, it's all about the on and off field. Oh, absolutely. Mm. It's a big weekend talking to other players who have played State of Origin. What about the tracksuits? Do you love getting all the gear, all the New South Wales blues, um, tracksuits and shirts and all the gear they provide you, the big kit bags? Or by that stage, you're just, nah, it's just another. No, nah, it, was, it was good, but I've never really, it's just interesting just to go go in and get it all all the stuff and that kind of thing. But you're more, you're more looking at the experience and who else is there. So walking into a room with guys like, I think Baz, Baz was our, I can't remember if he was our 58 or he was just there as assistant coach. Like him being there, Joey was there as well. Like guys you idolized. I remember lining up to get Joey's signature at Paris Stadium when I was 14 or 15. And actually Baz was playing with him. So both of them were there. And now they're in the squad 
um for me playing so that was that was pretty cool as well and um yeah good bonding night experience (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing but yeah they used to be good you know the the get into camp go straight to the pub pretty much um and um you know and they were and that was it about bringing bringing them bring the team together uh, and some you know some good stories a couple of bad ones out of it too but we won't touch on that well we're going to uh it's half time i just heard the siren we're going to take a break and uh hear from our valuable sponsors and we'll be back very shortly with the wolf team the golden eagles podcast is proudly presented by wormald a classic sponsor of the manly ringer sea eagles Wormald is a leading provider of fire protection solutions, helping to protect Australian people and property for over 130 years. Wormald's expertise spans the design, manufacture, installation and service of fire safety products and equipment, backed up with a comprehensive range of fire services, from engineering advice to fire safety training. You can rely on Wormald to help protect you. Visit wormald.com.au. Welcome back to our second half, and we're catching up with the cult hero, one of the favourite sons of the Manly Seagulls, fan favourite, David Wolfman Williams. Wolfie, 2011, Melbourne Storm, Battle of the Brookie, neck injury, Billy Slater looks after you. Yeah, well, again, running like a front row, I thought it'd be a good idea to I've modeled my life off Boxy, and I don't think it's working out too well. <laughs> Thank you. You got less. There's only one Boxy. We got the amount of scars. I don't know. I have got plenty on my head. I no, think I've got you covered. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> the rest of the play. <laughs> um, yeah. So just going towards the line, I thought it was a good idea to get low. Um, decided to run head first into Quinny's chest. Uh, wrong angle, wrong time. Rolled over into everything, and then yeah, the rest is history. The worst part I thought it was is that I had a stinger. Now, if you don't know what a stinger is, it's basically when you hit your shoulder so hard that you, you kind of stress the nerves out in your neck. So you get the sharp pain of like heat and fire, and then it goes away over time. It's just an immediate injury that goes away pretty quickly, if not, you know, a couple of days and you're good. So I'm there lying on my back, try to roll over and just absolute fire burning down my right side. And I ended up on top of Billy and just rolled over and said, don't you bloody move. Like just screaming at him, don't move, don't move. Just, you know, obviously in pain. And he was good enough just to realize the situation, not move a thing and then told everyone to piss off. But um, yeah, then lying on my back once everything got moved out. Um, what's it called? I was just laying there and there was no pain at all, which was really weird. I'm going, I should really get up. We <laughs> should get up and keep playing the game. But um, yeah, found out later, fracture in the neck. Um, put me up for the rest of the year and missed the final, unfortunately. Mm. What a night that was! Obviously, in general, though, like your injury, but the Battle of Brookie, like I missed all the fun stuff. <laughs> I was there lying. <laughs> what would you at the have done? Ceiling. What would you have done in that situation, Hey, Wingers? You know, we come in from a mile away, give you a little glute tap, shake a hand, see you later. <laughs> We're here for moral support. <laughs> I remember doing Let's that. Let's go with tries too. I remember doing that with someone once. I think it might have even been Origin when the big fight started with um, Ben Cray or Whitey. Anyway, so it's all the way over the left side of the field. I'm over the right. I think Darbs was my winger. And we just looked at each other and it's gone, ah, oh, bugger it, right? I just jog in. It's like, look, mentioned, yeah, sweet. There's no stink going. On. Yeah, good on you, boy. See you later, right? Jog 50 meters all the way just back. Just look again. tough, puff the chest out yeah, a little bit. You know, I'll get big, you next time. That big stride that Boxy does with her, you know, <laughs> wings out like this. Actually, Mate, that's chocky, isn't it? That's chocky. That's chocky. That's chocky. He's got chocky. two eskies under his arms like that every time. Carrying the carpets. <laughs> Uh, disappointment, obviously, of the uh, missing the grand final and you're out for three to four months. But that um, 
2014 win over the New Zealand Warriors. Just a great year for the club in general overall to to claim that premiership. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I think after we had a few horrid runs, well, not horrid, but I had horrid runs, um, just to see everyone get back on top. Not to be a part of it was a bit annoying, but everyone else was there. So it was good. Good to be a part of. Good to at least experience it and be at the game. Bit of fun. And... Good partying afterwards. Good partying afterwards. <laughs> That's it. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's okay. exactly right. All right. Play hard, uh, train the, hard, drink hard. Yeah, the good times and the bad times. 2013, Woofie, uh, one of your great seasons for the Seagulls, 19 tries. You finished the year as the equal leading try scorer, 20 tries in 27 games if for Manly. one more. Hey? <laughs> we're not to split the odds. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that part. Uh, 2013, you're playing the NRL Grand Final. Uh, obviously, a, a tough night for you and the whole team in general. Um, disappointment of the 2013 Grand Final. You, the celebrations from one, disappointment of the other. Um, so 13 was a massive year for me in a sense that it was my last year on contract. It was an option that I had to take. Obviously, because, well, not obviously, but looking back, 2010, I missed the whole season because I popped my shoulder. The captain's run before round one. So that was the shoulder that came from the World Club Challenge the year before. And then 11, I broke my neck. And 12, in the same round, same, not same spot, but same, same round, same field, I did my knee. So round 25, missed the finals again. Um, so coming off of that, I absolutely slaughtered myself uh, at training. Didn't, I missed only one game, which was very, uh, very good for me regarding that I played more games in that year than I did in the last three years combined. And then, yeah, just a few things were going, going differently at the end of the season and turned out it just head wasn't in the game, the one game that you want it to be. And yeah, rest is history. Uh, 2014, mm. July, you're banned from playing the NRL for the rest of the season. Was it July? Yeah, following revelations, uh, you had bet on matches. Take us through that whole process, the feelings, the thoughts, emotions, the, the media coverage, everything. You got sick of trying to bet on me to score tries. <laughs> it just didn't happen. He gave up on you scoring tries. <laughs> I had to keep playing football because I was money on you. Um, yeah, so just a stupid, idiotic thing to do. Um, looking back now, I wish I handled it a lot differently. I took the stance that, just to clear it up, that if everyone doesn't know that there was absolutely no match fixing, <laughs> I bet on myself and, you know, I usually lost. <laughs> um, but yeah, stupid decision. Um, can't defend it. But the way I had decided to handle it, I thought that'd be a good idea to distance myself from the media and the, uh, just around the team and that kind of stuff. When really looking back, I should have just said it for what it was. It was a stupid error. Um, I still think it was handled poorly by everyone as in um i think at the time drug cheats got less than me which was really annoying mm. looking back and i think i wasted an opportunity to really build myself up better for the following year at least if the penalty was to still play out mm. that way um so yeah so yeah a bit annoying at the end of the day but you know just stupid Stupid adolescent thing to do. Well, not adolescent because I was now 27, but. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still adolescent. Oh, you are still adolescent. <laughs> Let me tell you. I know that. You know, nothing wrong uh, with that. Well, really one of the highlights in 2015, Anzac Day, you score a try against Melbourne down there in Melbourne. How cool was that? That was good because it was my first real game coming back uh, into 
we're not really coming back. I played against Newcastle that year and um, it was it was probably one of my worst performances just in myself. We won and I st- like it doesn't didn't matter with me if we won, if we won 40 nil and I played like shit, I would be filthy. It's just how I rolled. I think a lot of boys did back then as well. Um, and then, yeah, so when that game was on, uh, a lot of people were out. It was Anzac Day. It was pissing down rain. I scored a try, kicked a couple of goals and just did things soundly. So that was really good just to get one back um, after all the other crappy performances that I handed in recently. 2015, you retire at the end of the season. When you look back on your career at the Manly Seagulls, Obviously, premierships are special and always hard to beat, but any other special memories or the things that really stand out or and obviously the mateships and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, there's the mateships and all that kind of stuff and the ones that you carry on are even even better. I think I think myself and Boxy are a lot closer, definitely in uh, hand-to-glute <laughs> form. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I might yeah. call the police. It's starting <laughs> to get scary. There are a lot of guys because... I think when did when did you go to England? I went after two thousand and eight. So there you go. So I only had one year with boxing, mm. but I speak to him more now than I did in that whole first season because I was just coming in, sitting back, watching everyone, taking notes and all that kind of stuff. Took the notes from the wrong person. Shouldn't be watching boxing. <laughs> should have been watching. Other should people. have or should have been. Yes, <laughs> should have been more. Um, so yeah. So one of the things that I've taken out now because of. The last four years was really topsy-turvy in regards to post-retirement because I did it very hastily as well and just how I kind of finished wasn't the way I really wanted to. Looking back, I know that now. So now um, the things I'm really taking out of it are all the positive things I did right. Definitely all the things I did wrong because I'm using that now in my current businesses to, which is like training businesses and athletic development to teach people how to do things right or kids how to do things right moving forward. So it was really shit for, I can't say it any other way, really (laughs) shit the way I kind of left and the way I uh, looked back on the game until like the last couple of years when I've been developing this thing. So, so it's probably like you talk about the mateships and stuff like that, but I've been really analyzing my career uh, a lot in the last year, six months to 12 months. And that's probably one of the biggest things I take out of it. I'd notif- I've noticed all the little things I did wrong, all the big things I did wrong, uh, how I could have handled it better. And then the best way I can move forward from that mentally and physically is to teach someone else how to do it right so they don't make the mistakes that I did. Well said, well said. And I think that uh, shows a great sign of uh, respect and courage, like you said, to analyze your career. One man... Uh, who's always got a story to tell? Donny Singe <laughs> tells me that sometimes he, he feels shut up. Yeah, tells me that uh, I still have nightmares about his voice. <laughs> One. He tells two. me he believed that uh, you actually got bored at times on the field, and you two would actually have a chat on the field. He'd say either bye or see ya during the games. Is that right? Correct. You're laughing. Is that right? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> he'd come over. He'd say, crack a joke. And I said that's terrible. Go back and find another one. And there was <laughs> there'd be games because. In all honesty, especially in the first year, no, well, the first year I was just getting to know him, and I think that's I think he found out that I wasn't going to be one of the serious guys that he had to really <laughs> get up. And even when he did, I'd do exactly what he said, and then turn around and say, "What's next?" But he, so he started coming out, and over the years we started to get more of a rapport. And there were games when, like, you've got, I mean, Kieran was the last one to be on the left side when I was playing. Um, but, but uh, Oxy was over there as well. So he was commanding the ship for the first two years that I was there. And then, so we hardly saw any ball sometimes. And I'd be out there picking grass, <laughs> looking around, looking for someone to chat to. 
I mean, I was a glorified touch judge. <laughs> I just had the wrong colored jersey on. So he come out, he'd see, and he goes, you're going to bloody do something. I said, well, you know, I'm holding shape. I'm doing what I'm told, doing all this kind of stuff. Tell those bastards over the left side to bloody give us some ball. <laughs> so then this started, and then uh, when injuries come about and that kind of stuff, like I was down once, uh, I think I, sh- I ended up shattering my hamstring. And he looks at me dead in the eye and just goes, but did you die? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can see him saying that because he, he gets, gets those intense ones. And those times where it's just like, he gets that look in his eye, did you die? Yeah. He, used to, he used to do this. Uh, it was a lot of training as well because training would be like everyone would be talking over the left side. All the, guy, the playmakers are doing their stuff. And I'd honestly, there's a few photos as well. <laughs> I'm just down on the haunches, just picking grass, just like, you know, scratching my leg, something like that. And there was one example when he told me this, he reminded me of the other day. There's three of us all on the bike. It was Killer, Snake and myself. We're all injured. Or, you know, whatever, because that was the usual case with, with us. I had a body 10 years older than myself. Um, and he goes, right, who's got this problem or whatever? Who can run? So I stupidly stuck my hand up. Never stick your hand up when Donnie asks you a question. Oh, no. No matter if it means you're getting a million bucks. All right? You got to do something for it. So he takes me upstairs, flogs the shit out of me, and I come back downstairs. And I'm, this is true to the feeling, but I did it as a piss take as well. He goes, go take the elevator. I said, I can't walk the stairs. He says, sweet, go take the elevator. I've gotten out of the elevator. I've literally crawled out because my legs don't work anymore. Donnie comes walking down the stairs and just goes, right, who's next? <laughs> and a snake and killer just started riding a lot faster than that time. <laughs> You're talking about the great killer. Uh, wonderful player. We all know what he achieved in the game for the Seagulls. What was it you loved about killer? <laughs> I love the fact that half our conversations, I couldn't understand him. <laughs> that was really good because I used to make up what he would say and it was never on point to what it was. So... Nah, he was he was fantastic. He was so laid back. He didn't almost <laughs> didn't have a heart. <laughs> have you got a? Uh, can you do an impersonation of him? Like if if, if he's at a post match, <laughs> I think it'd be like, oh yeah, no, nah, it's gonna be well, you know, just get with the boys. Yeah, no, nah, it was really good football. And, you know, it's just, uh, oh, geez, oh I'd Kilo, if you're listening, Where's we do apologise. Eh? Where's the beers? <laughs> who's paying for the beers? <laughs> Wolfie, give me uh, twenty, mate. <laughs> all right, going from uh, lightness to uh, to half serious. Desi, the player. Obviously, we all knew what he did, but the coach and the rapport you had with Desi. Desi was, I mean, Desi was pretty, Desi's Desi. <laughs> he, he's, I think we uh, we struck a chord together because we're both absolute weirdos. Um, <laughs> but in my first year, I had a lot more to do with Dennis Moore. So he was good for me. He gave me a lot of confidence, especially like, I know I, know I dropped a lot of balls, but I dead set dropped a shitload more at training or even before I started because I was a second row going to a fullback and then had to play wing, which I hadn't played in a professional manner. So from like, you know, SG ball, flag and all that, whatever it was back in the day. So he was great for me because it was always the assistant coach usually took uh, the backs, that kind of stuff. So he was really good for me and that kind of stuff. And then Desi basically, you know, I'm on the end of killer and all that. So he tells them what to do and I just followed them. So they helped a lot with the shape and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I didn't really have much to do with them in the last couple of years because 10, I was out for the whole year. And then 11, I was in and out so much that I was swapping around with Hopper and Oldie that it wasn't really ever, you know, time to sink your teeth in type thing. So yeah. And then, yeah. So just if you're asking for a sentence, massive weirdo. (laughs) Really relate. All right. Now, uh, post 40. So once your career's over after 2015, post 40, what's the Wolfman been up to? Um, again, so the first couple of years was a bit topsy turvy trying to figure stuff out. Um, I headed down, I figured out the one thing I really enjoyed about football was the training. 
uh, probably because I was doing more of it than anyone else. Um, so I went into PT, uh, personal training, and I really, I kind of fell into it from the missus and one of her contacts, but I started training kids and it's three to five-year-olds. So I had an idea to, to start a development thing where I was going to be like teenagers, you know, around that age of just leaving uh, primary school into, into high school to give them a development of stuff that I would have liked to do back in the day. So my back's terrible, shoulder's terrible and all that kind of stuff. If I knew the stuff that I know now, I could have prevented half of that, at least easy. So that's what I started to go down. And then she said, well, try this thing because a, a client's asking for it. So I started Little Wolfies, which is a, um, an active play program for daycare centers. Uh, I'm just releasing an online thing, online program with COVID at the moment. So go in and we do active play movements and we get the basic movements. So you've got squat lunges, uh, rotations, uh, push pulls, all that kind of stuff. But we put it into um, play mode with animals. So I'm a massive animal fan, um, you know, environmentalists and that kind of stuff. So I decided to put those aspects into their education. So we've got like, say you got squats, so you turn them into frogs. So frogs jump, you get the right knee position, that kind of stuff, because they can relate to it. Same with leaping leopards, uh, tiger tails, stuff like that. Just all different movements that, that they can relate to. And then that's going to progress into from the daycares into the older kids, so six to twelves, still active play, but more, um, more in tune with what you would see in a normal body weight calisthenic style thing. But we do stuff like tur- <laughs> you'd appreciate this. We do stuff like turtle shells. So you're lying on your back and you basically roll yourself all the way up, which is you most of the time. You're not the <laughs> this is just the take the piss out of. Uh, boxy podcast. Well, mate, I look. like it. That's a better name. <laughs> it's it's going to rate through the roof. I know that much. All right. But uh, look, uh, uh, well, that's great, mate. And so, look, yeah. anything we can do to help promote your business, we're more than happy to do so. Uh, Wolfie, mate, it's been great to catch up with you. Uh, like we said, congratulations once again. 66 tries, 103 games, 2008 to 15. Uh, you taught Boxy how to play front row. He did. Mm. You got any advice for him these days? Final bit of advice for Boxy? Well, I think you can see that chin straps are a lot of advice that he's going <laughs> to need at the moment. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, look, thanks for uh, coming in and joining us today. Uh, good luck with uh, Little Wolfies. And once again, congratulations on a wonderful career. Thanks for having me, kids. This has been the Golden Eagles podcast, presented by Wormald and recorded in the studios of Manly Media partner ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Sea Eagles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Sea Eagles podcast channel shows, head to seaeagles.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. 